The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey, it's Pastor Doug Bursch here, and you're listening to the Friday edition of the Fairly Spiritual Show. On today's show, we're going to talk about how to have perfect community in a broken world. Okay, that's a little much. How about just to have not broken community in a broken world? Maybe this, how to get along in a church or how to make church about more than just individuals. I'm also going to talk about why I pray for Robert Mueller and his current investigation, why I think truth matters and why we should be all about truth when it comes to being Christians on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. doing okay? You making it? Is life treating you all right? Is it all right? Honestly, give me your honest feedback. You okay? Well, some weeks are better than others, aren't they? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm so glad you could join me on today's Friday edition of the Fairly Spiritual Show. We bring you two shows. On Wednesday, it's just released through podcast form. Uh, And then on Fridays, we're on the radio. And I'm so glad you could listen to to the show today. If you'd like to text the show, uh, write down this number, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. And you can text the show and interact with me that way. You can also call and leave a message, 360-818-4513. You can also find out past shows, how to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, and also how to support the show in order to stay on the air. We need your support. Someone gave $25 last week. That means a lot. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's the kind of numbers we run here on this mega show here. $25 is a big deal, and I'm going to celebrate it. If you'd like to keep the show on the air, then we need your donations. Go to fairlyspiritual.org, and you can find out how to support the show. You can also find out how to find my book, The Community of God. There's so many things you can do. And in fact, on today's show, I'm going to look at chapter 15 of The Community of God on how to have perfect community in a broken world, or actually how perfect community is impossible in a broken world. But before I do that, I want to get into something that's going to make people angry. And uh, I don't, you know... I just can't avoid it. It's just what I do. Maybe one of the reasons I got this phone number here is so people wouldn't call my church angry. They can call me directly angry. Uh, But um, call me directly angry. But I want to talk a little bit about Robert Mueller and uh, why I pray for him. Lately, I've been just praying that truth would come out in all context of life. Uh, As Christians, we should be about the truth. Uh, We shouldn't be partisan hacks. Uh, Our goal shouldn't be for one side to win, one side to lose in any area. Our goal should be that truth should prevail. And so I've been praying for Robert Mueller. And I was looking at this today. I was just researching uh, the person, Robert Mueller, uh, his life, and just uh, who he is as a man. Uh, Robert Mueller was the sixth director of the FBI. Uh, from He served from 2001 to 2013. He was appointed by President George W. Bush. President Barack Obama gave uh, Mueller's original 10-year term a two-year extension because he was that highly favored. 
That's the longest FBI director since Hoover. Uh, he is now the head of the special counsel investigation of Russia interference in the 2016 uh, United States election. And at the time when he was appointed, uh, both Democrats and Republicans were high, praised highly his appointment uh, to be head over this special counsel. Uh, I, I saw some other things about him. He served as a Marine Corps officer during the Vietnam War. He received the Bronze Star Medal with Combat V for heroism and a Purple Heart Medal. When he was confirmed for the FBI, uh, he was unanimously confirmed. And of course, he served under a Republican and a Democrat, and he was a registered uh, Republican. Uh, also with him, uh, I noticed that when uh, the CIA was using enhanced uh, interrogation techniques, basically waterboarding, uh, Mueller spoke out against that because Mueller was over the FBI, he was not over the CIA, that he spoke out against those forms of uh, interrogation. Uh, highly respected, although Republican, worked within a nonpartisan capacity for a Republican and a Democrat uh, president, clearly in his past, up until this point of being the head of this investigation, uh, or the special counsel investigating uh, Russian interference, someone who was not remotely seen as someone who you would uh, speak poorly of his integrity. Uh, now, of course, in the last few years in this current presidency and the current partisan culture we're in, um, right now as I'm saying these things, I have people really upset at me and they want me to believe he's a terrible person. Or there's others, you know, he's a saint or whatever, but I, I think he's just a person. And uh, I've been praying that uh, he finds the truth. That's just a, a statement that he finds the truth and to trust that he's doing his best to investigate things and to find the truth. And that's my prayer for in any area, that, that the truth is found and that people speak the truth and that people confess the truth and that they don't hide lies, but they tell the truth. And uh, I think that's what we should be about as Christians. And I, I know that might sound so simplistic, but I, I really see us forget that sometimes. That we should be about the truth. I was thinking about this, uh, how important the truth is and how important that we are not to be caught in anything where the ends justify the means where we're like, well, you know, I, I know that's a little shady and that's a little bad, and I know this person isn't a very good person, but we're getting good results. That's not supposed to be the Christian way. Well, yeah, you know, I, I know this person is not doing what they're supposed to do, but they're getting us the good results. That's not a Christian response to anything. I was thinking about, um, in the Old Testament, uh, where uh, God disciplined David. You know, David took a census without God's will. Like, God did not want David to take a census. And it's such an interesting story, and you can look at it in detail, but David takes a census. And, and we know in the census, you know, you're trying to figure out how many people you have in the nation. Basically, a census can also be, you know, w what kind of resources you have. On censuses, sometimes they would tax the people as well. We don't quite know what was in entailed within that census. But you take a census to figure out how much power, how much resources, what you have as a nation. And David took a census. 
And God did not want David to take a census. Now, that seems like such a little thing, and you could think, well, you know, David needed to do that because David wanted to show his might or his strength, or, or maybe David was concerned about keeping Israel strong. You know, he, he wanted to make sure that he fortified the nation and he was prepared for any outside attack, and so he had good motivations in mind. But God didn't care about David's motivations, and he didn't care about the means are, are, are the ends that David was trying to reach. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if even David was looking for good outcomes or had good outcomes in mind. David was not doing what God wanted David to do. And so that's when the scripture talks about an angel of death coming and wiping out Israel with this terrible plague and this, this terrible scene that's really hard for us to even understand. But one of the things we can understand is that God did not tolerate David doing something that was not his will. And it didn't matter if David had good motivations or motivations that were like, well, this, this will help our nation and this will be good for us and this is what good politicians do or this is what good kings do or this will be good for... It didn't matter. Or, or this will have good results and it, it might not be what God wants us to do and it might not be the right way, but the end result will be good for our nation. No... God did not tolerate that, and, and that's basically, there's comes to this point where they, there's this picture of the angel of death with his sword basically stretching out over Israel, and David pleads for God to, to stop this death, and, and the death is stopped, and they build the temple there. And so, for me, I, it's just a reminder that wherever you're at, whether you think some people are good guys or bad guys, or you're for one party or another party, we have to come out from the partisan rancor that believes, well, you know, these people have to be in power, and those people have to be in power, and these guys have to win, and those guys have to win, and so at whatever cost, and we'll just, we'll just minimize that sin, and we'll just minimize that, and we'll just kind of look away from that, because the goal, you know, the end result is what's important, and as long as we get our laws passed, and our people in power, and and, you know, as long as we change this and overturn that, then, then it doesn't really matter. No, that's not what we're supposed to be as Christians. So I'm praying that the truth comes out. And so I pray for Robert Mueller that, that the truth comes out, that he finds the truth. He was hired for a position to find the truth. And, and truthful people will want the truth to come out. They won't try to obstruct anything. Their lives are open books. I, as a pastor, I've been around enough people, people who lie and people who cheat and people who hide. And people who are truthful are like, hey, look into my life. Come into my life. Look at anything. People who don't have anything to hide, don't hide anything. People who don't have anything to hide welcome you into their lives. They don't obstruct. They're like, hey, I want you to clear my name. They're the most helpful. <laughs> They're like, come on in. Look at my life. So we're going to take a break. I know that might seem a little political. Now, now we're going to get into uh, issues of how to have a healthy community, even if you're frustrated with me right now. More to come. Hey, if this show seems a little different than what you hear on Christian radio and you'd like to keep it on Christian radio, could you donate? Go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today and you can keep this show on the air. Uh, you can also call the show, give your thoughts, or you can text the show. I think I might get some calls today. Uh, you can text... 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. And you can pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor at Amazon. 
just search Douglas Birch. I appreciate you listening to the show and being a part of this movement. Your support matters greatly. Okay, so I want to move into something here. I've been looking at chapters from my book, The Community of God, and I wrote this book to help us understand uh, and to help myself understand because I too want to isolate from troubled people. I don't want to go to church all the time or even most of the time. It, you know, if I had my my say, I'd follow my selfish desires of just to isolate with the people that are easy to hang out with. I just spend my time with my wife and my kids. But uh, as we've gone through the last few Fridays, we've looked at that life is not just about us, that uh, Abraham was called to become a people that would bless the rest of the people on the face of the earth. And one of the reasons Christ went to the cross was so that we could fulfill that promise, so that we could become a people that would bless the rest of the people on the face of the earth. And we've looked at the fact that God disciples us through community, not not in isolation, but he discipled the disciples through community, so he's going to disciple us. And we looked at that Jesus didn't minister in isolation, but that he ministered through community. And so, you know, with all that foundation, today I wanted to look at a little bit the concept of why we still struggle with church. You know, everybody's looking for the perfect church, but there's that story, right, where there's the guy looking for a perfect church, and he goes to one church. He's like, this isn't quite perfect, and goes down the road and looks at another church and likes most of the people, but there's one kind of annoying guy over there, and he's like, ah, this isn't the perfect church. And he goes to another church, and there's Jesus. It's just Jesus, and it's him. And it's just Jesus and him, and he's like, this is the perfect church just Jesus and me. And he's like, can I join this church? And Jesus says, yeah, you can join it. But the moment you join it, it's not going to be perfect. Because, you know, we're, we're not. We're not perfect. We have faults and failings and problems. So I wanted to look at today just ways to facilitate healthy Christian community or ways to abide in community when it's not healthy. And here's just the first thing. We have to give up on the myth of perfect church, of the perfect church, of the perfect marriage, of the perfect family. We know, like you know as an individual, you still sin, right? But you don't give up on the fact that God is working in your life. At least I hope you don't, right? As a Christian, you know you sin, you fail, you you do things wrong, but you still believe that God is working through you and in you. But what I've found is people will will believe that, yes, I need to grow in my personal faith. And even if you've made a mistake or you've sinned this week or you you go out and you fail yourself and you fail the goals you have for your life and your, your spiritual expectations, you don't give up on your individual faith. I've seen people, when it comes to community expressions, They've experienced sin. They've experienced where someone in a relationship has hurt them, or a church has hurt them, or there's been some sort of community sin, and because of that experience, they've given up on community. Well, because they've had a bad experience in a church, or they've had a bad relationship, they're like, I don't do that anymore. And they'll use that as the illustration. You know, those people were bad, and that thing happened to me, and so I just don't trust people. That's the same thing as saying, well, because I personally did something wrong, I no longer trust God to work in my individual life. We've looked at this in detail the last few weeks, that God works through individuals and communities. He cares as much about the community as he cares about the individual. And sin works in individuals, and sin works in communities. We have to give up on the concept of a perfect community. 
just as you individually are going to sin, communities are going to sin as well. Uh, The concept of this utopian community or church we're going to reach is not a place. In fact, utopia literally means no such place, not a place. It does not exist this side of heaven. It doesn't exist. And yet so many of us are measuring our ideas of what a community should be on a place that does not exist this side of heaven. I have people come to me sometimes and talk about their marriage and the struggle with their marriage, and they'll go through how difficult it is, and they'll say, you know, she's just this, and she expects that, and it's just so hard, Pastor, or, or he's this, and he does that, and, and you just don't understand how hard it is. And, and I'll look at them, and I'll say, what you're describing is marriage. And they'll go, but, but, but you don't understand. I mean, it's just that, you know, sometimes I just don't feel this, and, and it's like we don't even connect, and we don't even see eye to eye, and I don't even know what, and I'll go, yes, what you're describing is marriage. Marriage is that difficult. There are times in marriage where it's that confusing, where you're that disconnected, where you're that frustrated, where you're that angry, where you feel that alone, where you feel like, I really don't understand this person, and this person really doesn't understand me, where you're at that kind of hopeless point where you're, I I just, I don't know if we'll ever connect in this area. I feel alone right now, and I've been with this person for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and there's a part of our life that we don't understand each other, and you get to that place where community is incredibly difficult. That's what community looks like sometimes. If you have a utopian idea of community, you'll give up. But if you have an idea that God can be God and God can be good and God can be powerful and transformative in that kind of community, then you won't give up. You'll press in. We need to give up on our idea of perfect community and start embracing the reality of community. Here's the issue. Every conflict is an opportunity to learn how to love. Every conflict is an opportunity to learn how to be Christ-like. Every conflict, every struggle, every hopeless place is an opportunity to learn truly how much God loves us and how much God's love is transformative in our lives and the lives of others. But if we hold on to this idea that The only way I can go to church is if it's like this, and the only way I can be married is if it's like this, and the only way I can be the parent I need to be is if my kids are like this. You will give up on community. I had someone who was leaving our church, and they were upset with something, and they gave a list of things that were wrong, and they were right. I was like, yeah, those are things wrong with our church, and here's another five things wrong with our church. And and, and after I talked to them, I said to them, how many churches have you gone to in their life, in your life? And they were like, what? And I go, just, you know, how many churches have you gone to? And they gave me a number. And I said, okay, so what do you think? Like, you're going to a church every four years, every four or five years, you leave a church. Then I said, how many years do you expect to be alive? Like, how long do you expect to live? And they kind of looked at me shocked. I'm just, how many years do you think you're going to live? You're going to live till you're 70? I go, let's let's assume you're going to live till you're 80. Let's go 85. You look healthy, 85. Well, at the current rate of going to a new church every five years, you're going to go to, and I don't know what the number was, we came to something like 25 churches. I go, do you really want your life to be going to 25 or 30 different churches? And I I looked at him and I said, I don't think you want that to be your life. Maybe next time, the next church you go to, just learn how to walk through a conflict. Learn how to abide with people that you don't get along with. 
Because there's things in the next church that you're not going to like. There's going to be difficult people. Communities are broken. People are messy. There's no such thing as the perfect community. It does not exist. Right now in America, we have more church options than we've ever had in the history of the world, and we're more discontented than ever before. Eventually, we just have to decide, I'm going to find a way to connect. I'm going to find a way to love. I'm going to find a way to listen to what Christ wants me to do. I'm going to try to find a way to do it. You know, another way to abide in community is we have to bring the individual back into community. And what I mean by this is we need to use language that's community-focused. So often, I'll do this as a pastor, you'll say, you need to come to this small group, and then we'll give individual reasons why you need to come to this small group. We'll say, you need to come to the small group because it'll help you in your marriage, and it'll help you in your faith, and we'll have somebody give, come up there and give a testimony that's all about themselves. We need to start talking about the fact that maybe it won't help you at all, but it'll help the kingdom of God. Maybe you need to go to a church because it won't help you, but it'll help someone else. And maybe that's a good enough reason. Maybe it's a good enough reason for you to get involved in a Bible study because it's not going to make your life easier, but you'll change the life of someone else. Maybe you're healthy and you don't need any more health, but there's a broken person who needs you. It's amazing the kind of community we'll get involved with if we don't make it about ourselves. I see that as the expression of the New Testament church. People laid down their lives for other people. They were okay, so they surrendered their lives for the sake of others. So maybe you say, you know what? I'm just going to hang out with that person because it's going to bless their family. I'm going to hang out with that Bible study because it's going to help that single mother who needs help. It's going to help that addict. It's going to help that, that, that man who has no friends and no relationships. I'm just not going to make it about myself. I'm not going to come home and say, was I fed or not fed? Were my needs met or my my needs weren't met? I'm just going to start being a blessing to others because Christ is enough in my life. I've had what I need. I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start pouring myself out. I'm going to start using language that's more community-focused than individually based. These are just some ways. I talk much more in detail about this in my book. Now, the last thing here, if we're going to truly be about the community of God, we need to focus a lot more on how we treat each other than on what we believe. It's important what you believe. It's important to believe the truth. It's important to believe in right and wrong. But we need to learn to love each other in community. It's easy to be right and to go home angry. It's harder to be right and to love people you disagree with. I want to encourage you that if you keep leaving people because you disagree, you're not learning how to love. Love is difficult. It's hard to love people but maintain relationship. And if we're going to grow in community, we have to learn how to love and maintain relationship, how to love and press in, how to love and abide with people who are different than us. It's easy to have a pristine theology that's correct and right and pure and live in isolation. It's hard to have a pristine theology and live in complex relationship with people who disagree with you. If we're going to facilitate healthy communities, if we're going to transform the world, then we need to learn how to have strong opinions and to believe the truth, but to communicate the truth and communicate our opinions in ways that we can abide with people who are different from us. That's what Paul talks about to the Corinthian church, right? It's about love. I can speak in the tongue of angels. I can have truth and wisdom and knowledge, but if I do not have love, 
I have nothing. I'm just a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. If you don't have love, your truth means nothing. And love is expressed in and through community. You know a sign that you have God's truth is you can express that truth by abiding in community. The integrity of our truth is demonstrated in our ability to communicate that truth in community. The integrity of our truth is demonstrated on our ability to abide with people and abide with that truth in and through community, in and through love. Grow in love. Grow in your ability to not just have the truth, but to communicate truth in a way that is loving, that shares it with others, that grows in friendships, that grows in connections. If you're a Christian, you'll be growing in more connections, more relationships, and more loving ways. These are some of the ways to have perfect community or maybe have healthy community in a broken world. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'd love to get some text from you. Well, maybe not all text, but if you have something to say, uh, you can uh, send it here. 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. You can also support this show by going to fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. You can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and SoundCloud. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He loves you dearly. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this show. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.